Are you ready for the most ridiculous internet sports show you have ever seen? Welcome to React, home of the most outrageous and hilarious videos the web has to offer. So join me, Rocky Theus, and my co-host, Raiders Pro Bowl defensive end, Max Crosby, as we invite your favorite athletes, celebrities, influencers, entertainers in for an episode of games, laughs, and of course, the funniest reactions to the wildest web clips out there. Catch Reacts on YouTube, and that is Reacts, R-E-A-X-X. Don't miss it. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Regressing to the mean since 2015, it's the Hockey PDO Cast with your host, Dmitry Filipovich. Welcome to the Hockey PDO Cast. My name is Dmitry Filipovich, and uh, joining me in studio are two special guests. One of them has been on before. You're familiar with him. It's my guy, Nick Mercadante. Nick, what's going on? Hi, Dimitri. How are you? I'm good. And the other one is uh, a familiar face, but one that you've never actually heard on this podcast before. It's, uh, it's Patrick Kearns. Patrick, what's going on with you? What's up? How are you doing, man? I'm good. I'm, uh, we're doing this in person. We're, in... we're on location. Yeah. Well, we're, how would you guys describe this location? Because I don't even really know where <laughs> I am right now. It's um, Scenic Ridgewood, Queens. Not Brooklyn. Not Brooklyn. Ridgewood, Queens. Yes. We're, we're on the Islanders side of things now. Right. In New York, as far as New York. Yeah, goes. technically Queens and Brooklyn are both on Long Island. So, so. so if, you, if you don't want to talk about the Rangers... We don't have to talk about the Rangers. Well, uh, luckily enough, I mean, we have a Rangers <laughs> fan and someone. I, Patrick, Patrick, are you a Rangers fan or I, you just cover them? I grew up a Ranger fan. Um, yeah. You get close enough to a team, it's very hard to root for them. Yes. And close enough to any of the team's opponents. Uh, also, I just like, oh, these are all just like guys. You've seen how the sausage is made. Yeah, I, the sausage is not pretty. You've seen, did, the, you've seen the sausage. <laughs> did you ever, just being an, like a native New Yorker, did you ever say like, should I be an Islanders fan? I mean, I guess you're young enough that the Islanders haven't no, been No, I'm from New Jersey, actually. I oh, grew really? up in New Jersey, North New Jersey, like 20 minutes outside of New York City. Um, I took all my father's sports allegiances, so like Jets, Rangers, Yankees growing up, which is typically not how that sort of thing goes, but mm-hmm. I just kind of followed in his footsteps. But I, I got a lot of blowback for not being a Devils fan, because when I was a kid, they were really good. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's so strange. I mean, because I grew up in Connecticut, a big Whalers. So I grew I'm up a tattoo. Uh, so that's right. I grew up. Look at that hard for Whalers. Look at that. It's faded too. That's how you know it's, yes. really, it's really old. It's yeah. been through some stuff. It, yeah, it's really old, and I'm old. Um, but you know, so that was the strange thing for me. Is like, obviously, hockey's my favorite sport. Right. When your sport team leaves, like, where do you go, allegiance wise? My dad is it pretty much an Islanders fan. Mm-hmm. Um. And I chose the Rangers, but I, there wasn't like a rhyme or reason to that. I just, I don't know. It's like New York Yankees, Rangers, for some reason, went together in my head. Right. Knicks, you yeah. know? Yeah. I don't know. So. Yeah. Well, you've been through some really good times over the past <laughs> Well, yeah, what, the great part about becoming a Rangers fan in 1997 is no Stanley Cups. Right. 
just just heartache. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I at least the first like season I watched, my earliest memories of hockey are the Rangers winning the Stanley Cup because I would have been six years old then. Right. So that was like my introduction to hockey, and then like ten years of the Devils like completely dominating with three Stanley Cups there, and all my classmates making fun of me for liking the Rangers, but I stuck with it, and now I don't care at all. I'm numb. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's now a, I just don't have feelings. Yeah. Yes, that's a testament of either red one. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about the Rangers. Um, I think they've had a an interesting couple months here. Ever since, uh, I think it's safe to say they got kind of embarrassed in that. They definitely got schooled in that opening round series against the Penguins. Yeah, they were due for. They've been due for one of those. For I, well, okay, the 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 cup run season they just had everything going in the playoffs but mostly it was Lundqvist but I thought before that and after that they were due for a series like what they had this uh past postseason with the Penguins where they just get absolutely trounced and every single time it's really been Henrik Mm -hmm. taking them back from the brink like they had that against the Penguins the year before and that would have honestly the that would have happened had they not had Henrik Lundqvist the year before. They right. weren't that good of a team when they went to the Eastern Conference right. final. Yeah, things were starting to work. Lundqvist, again, plays out of his mind in the playoffs and masks a whole ton of issues. But, I mean, you were right that they were due for that, and it's just amazing that it didn't happen earlier. Yeah, yeah. And, and But what I love is, like, like instantaneously, a, a huge portion of fans blame Lundqvist instantaneously yes. like not even like Amazing. well you know he's been good all this time hey one bad one what are you gonna do yeah nope it's well he's he's too old he's falling apart he let the team down who, who did he let he didn't let anybody down they were bad yeah yeah i you mean know? my favorite thing is like when you ascribe that a player's not like in this like elite echelon because of a team success thing so like Oh, Lundqvist never gets it done in the big games, guys, except for, like, the, like, 14 games that he dragged a mediocre right. team to the Stanley Cup, and yeah. then the next year when he dragged a less-than-mediocre team to an Eastern Conference final and almost a second Stanley Cup. Yeah. In Other than in those two times, of course. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Other than every season when he's a top-three goalie, he's what yeah. the team I mean, down. if we're going to look at, you know, what's a big game, obviously Game 7 is a big game, just look at his record in Game 7s. If you're really going to do that, just win baby type of mentality, Right. what's his record in Game 7s? It's like 8-2 and two yeah, or something like that? Yeah, I mean, like there's that. so many Some... playoff series, too, where they've been down and out Yeah. that just by sheer Lundqvist ability, he's brought them back into. Yeah. Well, um, he's going to have to be really good again this year because I'm looking at their uh, depth chart of defensemen on generalmanager.com, <laughs> yeah. and... It's a lot of familiar faces, isn't it? But awesome? not the good kind. Isn't it awesome? Like, okay, so you're sitting there with. See, usually when I do podcasts, I yeah. have the laptop up, yeah, so I yeah. can quickly yeah. look at things. But it's isn't it awesome when you pull up the Rangers defense and yes. actually visually look at it? And yeah. You're like, this is incredibly thin, right? Like, it doesn't look like an NHL defense unless, I mean, aside from name recognition, right? You look at Stahl and Girardi, and you're like, if you haven't watched hockey in three years, you're like, oh, those like, well, those I are, mean, they're definitely are... making a lot of money, so they yeah. must be good, right? They, well, yeah, yeah, no, they're <laughs> well, they're NHL guys, you know, they've got those guys coming. But if you've been watching the team, you obviously know. And I don't think I'm saying anything. What's hilarious is a couple of years ago, this was a really contra- it was really controversial to say Girardi. 
is absolutely not not even an NHL def- caliber defenseman anymore. Right. Now I, it's not even controversial to say that. A lot of people will still give him benefit of doubt and say, well, you know, last year injuries. I, I, I right. guess. But then to to kind of compound on that, if a guy's thirty two years old and he's been suffering from injury troubles. Like, how do you expect him to come back? generally like, don't get better. If that's what the Rangers were blaming the last season right. on, ignoring the seasons before, the two seasons before that, if they're saying, last year he was hurt, we expected to come back, name a defenseman that's had a pretty injury-plagued, terrible 31- and 32-year-old And come back. And yeah. then come back to be... They win uh, awards for that. Yeah, that's like, like a really rare thing where yeah. you win an award for being a comeback-type yeah. player. Well, I think that my favorite part of this is... Uh, Right beside Dan Girardi's name on General Fanager, there's a, an anchor symbol, which <laughs> denotes that he has a no that. movement clause. I knew you were going to say but that. But there's so many places we can take yeah. that. So, um, yeah. 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 Uh, it's, it's, um, I always think, like, I think about, like, um, and maybe this is just me, like, you know, thinking back to when I really thought I could, like, live the dream and become a pro hockey player mm-hmm. once upon a time. But like I always try to put myself in the in the skates of somebody on the team like a McDonough, right? And think what? Okay, obviously they're teammates and they must be friends. They play online together for years. So, but like, what does he think going into the season? Is he looking forward to the season as something where it's like, I mean, for him personally as a player, these are his really his peak years that right. he's in. I have a theory on this that might get more into player analysis than anything and why I think former players generally don't make great analysts is that when you're a guy like Ryan McDonough, you're too close to it. Right. Like people, NHL, you hear all these ex-NHL players, they talk about it with the Shea Weber, P.K. Subban trade. They're, well, I would hate to play against Shea Weber. Yeah, of course you'd hate to play against a guy like Shea Weber because he beats the crap out of you Because he's game. big and he hits hard. You know, if you're if the goal of your day as a kid is to keep your lunch money and there's two bullies and one of them sneaks up and grabs the lunch money out of your pocket and it's successful 80% of the time and then the other guy 60% of the time just beats the living crap out of you. Right. But you keep your money more often, you're going to be more scared of the guy that beats you sure. up. It doesn't matter about that. So I think think with like a guy like Ryan McDonough, he looks at like having a guy like Girardi, who he's friends with, who's trying really hard on the ice, who's making the plays on the ice. Like, you know, when you're on the ice and you're really close to something, you can't totally tell the difference. It's really hard right. to to kind of see see that at ice level. And, and I also, think it just it's why it makes players bad analysts. They just can't. I, it, it's it that. Up. It's it's that's a, a the logical fallacy. We 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 on Twitter and every place else we say, well, you know, front offices make bad decisions. Well, front offices are mostly former players, right. really. Right. Uh, why? Why do we? Wh- what is this fallacy where, like, we actually think that players that are on the ice absolutely know better as to who is? You know, I, I think everybody knows who's great. Right. But the, the in between, I think everybody knows who's who's garbage. Right. But the in between, you know, they're. He's got a booming shot. That's something that stands out. He hits hard. That's something that stands out. Got a big body. They're, yeah, they're going to notice those things. They're not necessarily going to know, unless they're guys that are really kind of getting into statistical analysis. Right. And there are guys like that. They're not going to necessarily know that you know a Shea Weber is a, a good player, but maybe not a, a, a great player like a PK Subban. Well, I think also part of it, like the, this working in Girardi's favor, is sort of just the nature of hockey in terms of how conservative it is, right? Because like 
I don't know, let's say like he was trying to do all this crazy stuff out there, yeah. like taking the puck out himself and like doing spin moves and like falling down on the ice and turning it over. He's a showboat. People would be like, he's oh, a, you yeah. know, this guy sucks. He's clearly. making mistakes. He's mm-hmm. a showboat. Because he never really yeah. tries to do anything. People right. don't realize that he's not adding anything to the table. He's right? a stay-at-home right. guy. He's, he's safe. Yeah. He's steady. conservative. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. not going to make bad mistakes. You want him out there when the game is tight. Yeah. You know, those are all. You're absolutely right. These are all things that kind of feed into. It's it's our own. And those um, are positives of a hockey player, a guy that yeah. you don't notice. You know their mistakes, but you right. also don't notice what they add to a team. Keith Yendel was the perfect example of the exact opposite. Ninety yep. percent of hockey fans will tell you, "Well, he made a lot of mistakes in the defensive zone." He also had the puck on his stick. eighty yeah. percent of the time when you the know, puck, and, when it's leaving, and, and that's so. obviously you know a. Somebody that watches a ton of hockey and goes back and watches the tape will see the positives far outweigh the negatives yeah. with guys like Keith Yandel. And, and, you know, you you win with guys like Keith Yandel more than you win with guys yes. like Dan Girardi. But it's just that, you know, if you don't recognize... you can, The common fan can't pick up that Girardi's gap control is awful, that guys skate around him breaking into the zone. They're just, oh, he keeps things to the outside. And even more so, it's, um you know, a fan will turn on a game, watch a game... They'll see Yandel maybe make five or six breakout pa- passes. It's a normal part of hockey. You just kind of gloss over it as you're watching. I think everybody does it when they're watching. Right. Then he makes that one pass that gets picked off right at the blue line and comes back the other way for like a two-on-one or a, uh, uncontested shot. Right. And it's the recency bias thing. You, your, your brain just sticks with that. Right. Well, Girardi chucks it around the boards every single time. Yeah. That's all he does. Yeah. So unless you're keyed in on that as something that's bad, right? Um, as a rule of thumb, you, you just go, oh, it's hockey. The puck right. goes around the board sometimes. Right, it you goes to the guy at the half wall, and they don't notice that it is a, to a guy that's contested at the half wall, and they're losing yeah. that puck battle. Well, because yeah, it doesn't lead to a goal against right away. That's right. It leads to one probably like 20, leads, 30 seconds later, or it winds right. up in a penalty that's a, that yeah. it's a goal later. Right. But like... In, in a lot of Rangers fans, I mean, to, to the average, to the casual fans' credit, a lot of Rangers fans noticed this past season, because I heard it on Twitter nonstop, they get hemmed up in their zone. Yeah. They, they get suffocated in their zone. And they recognize, well, some of that is the defense. They also blamed it on forwards leaving the zone early, but that's mm. an AV. That's, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what he the wants system them to do. that they yes. play. Um, but a lot of casual fans did notice that, but I don't know if they noticed that where that was specifically coming from, right. you know, that that's... Guys that don't either don't have the confidence or don't have the ability to make outlet passes to somebody who's, yeah. you know, who's scooting along the boards to get another outlet pass on the floor. Which is also weird because that's also AV system, the defenseman's ability to get the puck out of the zone mm-hmm. and kind of progress play. It's a counterattack style. You know, that, right? yeah. that counterattack style, they just they couldn't play it last year. They couldn't play AV system last year. And now you look at this year. And you wonder how, you know, where is it <laughs> I mean, they, from? no Yandel, no Boyle. I know people dogged Boyle, but he did a lot of good things with the yep. puck. Yep. He's a really good passer. And to expect Brady Shea to jump in and log top four minutes, I think it's crazy. Right, minutes of a, you know, maybe on the back of his career, but Dan Boyle's a borderline Hall of Fame defenseman. Right. Keith Yandel is one of the five premier offensive defensemen in the yeah. game, if you want to 
ascribe, you know, say, yeah. call somebody an offensive defenseman. Uh, I think. So who's going to get those minutes? I mean, it's going to be Shea. Is it? Is it going to be you know Holden? Yeah. Is, is Nick? Does Nick Holden replace the offense? I on could the see back AV end? trusting I mean, him because he's a. Yeah. I mean, if they want to make like Dan Girardi look better by comparison, I think they should play Nick Holden. But uh, uh, I don't think that's. I don't think <laughs> yeah. that's going to be like the interesting thing is I actually I don't know what you guys think of Brady Shea from what limited exposure I saw of him. I actually liked him. Oh, I like him. But yeah. he seems like much more of a guy that at least early in his career I don't know if he'll develop as more of a puck mover. But like he seems like a guy that wants to instantly like puts his head down and just skate it out yep. and he has a natural ability to pull it off and it's like scintillating to watch he's sometimes. a great skater but he's not going to be that type of guy that's going to replace Yandel in terms of oh I'm like behind my net quickly get it out right yeah. like he's going to kind of try and do it himself a little yeah. bit so, so one, one of my buddies made this comparison and it's going to sound like a bad comparison mm-hmm. but it, it, I, I don't know maybe maybe it's because I watched his college career as well but Matt Gilroy mm-hmm. okay Brady Shea plays like Matt Gilroy but he's got NHL size right. and strength. Mm-hmm. Gilroy didn't have those things. Right. Gilroy wasn't a great passer, but with the puck on his stick, he could weave and, and dodge and duck and move into neutral ice and then kind of shovel off to somebody else. Right. That's what Brady Shea can do, but he's got this NHL size. He's got the the strength. He's probably got a better skating stride than yep. a Gilroy. Mentioning Matt Gilroy just destroyed well, Ranger well, fans right. hope for this. I know, and in, in that way, I know, and that's it. Sounds <laughs> they're, they're bad. not even going to turn the team off. It they sounds just bad. We just pause the po- podcast, yeah. open up the team yeah. store, ordering Brady Shea jerseys. Yeah. Gonna, whenever somebody listens to this, they're going to go, "Did Nick just say that Matt Gilroy is a positive? I mean, that comparison is a positive comparison." But but the 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 point being, he's a guy who I think you're right. He's not. I, well, I mean, maybe he will be, but I, I don't look at him as an elite puck mover. Right. Passing the puck. I actually, McDonough is kind of more like that as well. Right. And McDonough's, if, you, if I mean, if Brady Shea's upside is Ryan McDonough, they've found a great defenseman. Right. I, I don't know that it's going to quite be right. Ryan McDonough. But, it's, but it's, if in you terms can of get, preferences, right? Right. Like, if you can get a McDonough-style player yeah. that is really steady on your second line, second pair behind McDonough, because they're both left-handed and going to play on the left yeah. side. Although I... They might try to break Shea in on the right side because their right-handed defensive depth is I know, just so bad this year. Avi hates doing that, though. He does, but he's got no choice, really. If you think, if you look at the team, you've got Brady Shea for all intents and purposes has a spot on this team, he, I yeah. think, right now. Yep. But then you look that is holding the odd guy out, and are they going to play Mikkelrath in the yeah. third pair? Because I don't think Elaine Vigneault likes Mikkelrath. Maybe having Bukaboom now as the coach. And his familiarity with Mikkelrath helps Mikkelrath's case a little bit. Maybe. Um, but I just, I don't think Elaine Vigneault is comfortable with trotting Dylan Mikkelrath out there as their third pair right-handed defenseman. I always, game. I always wondered, because, you know, A.V. has this, he has a little bit of a reputation of a guy who's not um, prospect friendly or right. young player friendly. Right. Right. It takes him a little while to get confidence. And I don't know what builds con- the confidence for him, but um, I, I, I wondered if... Uh, Mikkelrath's development was held back by Av, or by himself. Maybe right. he's, you know, or or maybe Ulf. Didn't... Right, and I mean it could be a combination of things. Yeah. He also he had a pretty bad knee injury that you know it took him a while to overcome. He missed a lot of time in Hartford. Um, I mean, you know, maybe he's just not that good of a player. Yeah, I would like to see him get an everyday chance in the third line. I think he does a lot of things right. I think he has a lot of holes in his game still. But when he played with Yandel. You know, it's you can't keep up with Keith Yandel yeah. a lot of times. But you know, if he if he had a really steady partner on the left side, and I don't want to say that him and Shea is a great third pairing right away because of well, and then you're giving just, all those you know, minutes to 
Girardi and Stahl. Yeah. And who does McDonough play with? Klein? You know, Kevin Klein's not a first-pairing defenseman. He's been better than a lot of people expected, yeah. but you're I, not a Stanley Cup contender with Kevin Klein on your top pair. I hate this topic. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, you're mentioning AV and how he handles prospects, and, I mean, he, he definitely has established that rep, but I feel like you're going to be very hard-pressed to find any coaches that are very prospect-friendly, especially when they're coaching teams that are trying to win yeah. a Stanley Cup, right? Like, generally, those two things in hockey especially don't really... They kind of clash. Yeah, right? they're, not in, they're not in prospect development yeah. mode in New yeah. York. That's not, uh, that's not what we're trying to do. Which, yeah, and they're going to trade them. Probably. Which yeah. fascinates <laughs> me. Like, I'm so curious to see what happens with Pavel Buchnevich this year because yeah. I imagine he's probably going to start in the KHL for a while and they're going to ease him into it, I'd imagine. Like, I don't know. Like, he's definitely not going to just jump in and be, like, top six minutes right away, even though he's probably, His like, top six talent for me. Tiny too, yeah. man. And you saw those photos of him. Right? He's gonna have to out. Like, yeah. this is a little guy. Like, yeah. all three of us could take him in a fight. Yeah. It looks like, <laughs> and I am the weakest. Well, especially guy since he gets like most of his yeah. like comparisons. They might be lazy just because they're like, well, both Russian, but like right. he gets a lot of Malkin comparisons in terms of like his like length and yeah. sort of like how he's like more of a playmaker than a sh- than a shooter and a scorer. Yeah, and he but says just, that himself. Yeah. He, you know, he emphasizes playmaking yeah. a lot more than his shooting and scoring ability. I mean, expecting him to step in and score. 20 goals even is really he's, he's wiry and dodgy um if you see him if you get to see khl highlights he's a gazelle in open ice yeah. like he can he can actually move um well the good thing is he was playing as like a teenager against grown men yeah and, and he's doing getting, well and like, he's getting power some power play time yeah. here and there and i think that let him you know get probably some confidence with the, you know a lot of th- a lot of it in hockey it's not so much your you know, your physical size obviously could be a problem. If you're, you know, if you're the size of a Gaudreau, but you're not shifty like he is, um, you might run into some problems when you, you know, when you have the puck. Yeah. Um, that's just a, a, an ability and skill thing. But I, I, I just no longer believe that there's a one size fits all build or even two or three or four or five sizes fits all. Right. You yeah. Know, there's I, a... I generally agree with that. Yeah. I think that like a guy like which you look at right now and you say, I don't know that he has NHL size, right. Not having established himself as an NHL player, especially because a lot of these guys you'll get into, he's been playing in a different league, right. in a different rank and a different style of hockey. And he'll come into the NHL and, and guys will just eat him alive. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I think that he has the talent to adapt to that. I do think he'll put on a little bit more size. He's not, you know, tiny, but like he, he is very wiry right now. Yeah. You know, he's, Probably well, like 150 pounds. He know, looks. He looks really. But I mean that you know, there's ways to sort of shelter a guy like that in terms of it's your coach's yeah. job, and you can Definitely. put him in positions to succeed. Put like you know certain roles. Sometimes you'd play him less than not. Like, it depends on who yeah, you're playing against I and stuff like that. that because of that, people should kind of temper their yes, expectations because yes. he's going to be the type of guy where you're going to have to find the right fit. He's not going to come in and dominate this league. I think no, like no. a lot of fans that you know. Are expecting him to like they like they expected Chris Kreider to do. You mm-hmm. know, he fans get very prospect heavy because it's an unknown quantity. So you you say, oh, this guy that I haven't seen that everybody's telling me is really good is going to come in and he's going to play alongside mm-hmm. Derek Stepan and Rick Nash and he's going to score thirty goals and be you know replace what we lost with this player. And yeah, and I do think you know that is where you get into like the scouting profile a little bit. And you look at a Chris Kre- like a Chris Kreider right. versus uh, B- uh, Buchnevich, like that, those two builds, and you go, well, 
Kreider is a physical freak. Yeah, yeah. he's built like an NFL outside line. I'm not. Can, I can put that aside. I know he's got the the NHL size. Right. You know, and and he's got the speed, and he's got those things. That's still a question mark for a player that's not like him coming right. into the league. So fans are going to have to temper their expectations. I would expect that AV and the coaching staff, they're going to have tempered expectations, and they're, going to, they're not going to throw him into the second line. No, or I don't think they will. They're either. going to give him a shot, and they're going to see how he looks, but they're probably going to look at him and say, eh, he needs some more seasoning and some right. more. I mean, that's just the way it is, you know? I so, mean, unless, again, unless he comes in like a Gaudreau where it's like he can't touch the guy, but I don't think he's that. So No, I don't, I don't know that he's either. And, and, you know, for all of AV's faults, guys have come and, impre- and impressed him, like, who thought Anthony Duclair would make the team when he did? And I know that it eventually, you know, they sent him down and then he gets traded and everything. But he impressed AV and uh, not to rub that one. That in, was a, that was a great yada yada yeah, moment. Yeah. And you know, and every, everything and then he gets that traded happened for after a defenseman that, that they let walk for nothing. Yeah. But I mean, he was able to impress AV enough to get himself a spot in the lineup, and he played you know sometimes in the top six. And I think that. Buchnevich could impress, and there is room in AV's heart for a younger player to impress and get mm, his time. It it's not all just Tanner Glass that he dreams of oh, at night. But he does love Tanner Glass. But he does love Tanner Glass. But I think that you know Buchnevich will get a fair enough shake, probably. So Patrick, you and I were talking about this before we went on air, quote unquote. Um, AV, in, in terms of, there's a good discussion on Twitter this past week about because um, the score released a list of the top 30 coaches and. AV was, I think they had him like 13th or so, so it was sort of in the middle. And it was interesting because for a guy ranked in the middle, it generated a, lo- a very polarizing set of reactions, right? Because there's people that go, oh, he's definitely a top 10 guy. Like, you know, he, his team's won a lot and he's done a lot of great stuff. But then there's people that are like, yeah, but he loves Dan Girardi and Tanner Glass and he has serious, you know, problems with prospects and all this stuff and he should be way lower on the mm-hmm. list. Where are you guys at with AV in terms of. Both just like compared to you know his peers, but also just as the job he's kind of done and, and what his shelf life is like in New York at this point. I think that AV gets a lot out of his teams when they're good teams. I think that he doesn't get a lot out of specific players, but as a whole, I think that his ability to A, kind of be open to a lot of things, but B, kind of implement his system and make players play that way when he has the roster to do it is a really good system, and it's it's been successful in this league. Yep. Uh, I think that probably he lets his bias get in the way a little too often for me to say that, you know, coaches should let guys play a lot more that they, than they do. And I think AV typically does that with his his top players. Like, I don't think that he tries to make Rick Nash a certain player a certain way. I don't think he tried to force Matt Zuccarello to be anything that he wasn't. However, I think that he does kind of let those biases get in the way. And I think it's more of a a guys that he knows he can trust. And maybe, you know, it's, it's stuff that we don't see. It's stuff behind the scenes. Right. And it's just a comfort level. But he, you know, NHL coaches are coaching for their job at all times. Like you said, he's not in the business of, of growing Buchnevich. He's in the business of winning this season and this year. I think he's a pretty good coach still. I mean, his success tells me that. Um, but, I, I mean, he's got his issues, certainly. Yep. Nick? I don't disagree with any anything you said. <laughs> but but what I'll say is this: Are you I can compare him to Matt, Matt Gilroy. No, <laughs> he's the Matt Gilroy of coaches. I, I yes. <laughs> Let me see if I can work that comparison. 
Um, so here, here's what I think about AV. And, and, and this actually is kind of, you know, reflects on what, what you were saying. So I don't... Okay, so there was a point in time where what AV was doing as a coach, systems-wise, was not unique, but um, more progressive. Mm-hmm. It's not as much anymore. Teams stretch the ice at times. Right. Other times they contract. You know, you saw, like, Tampa beat the shit out of the, the Rangers right. doing that. I mean, we, you know, we took them to the brink right. in, in that series a couple of years ago, but really they were beating the Rangers up with the same, that same style of hockey. Mm-hmm. But they had the roster to do it. I think that AV has been doing that with without the roster to do it. But, you know, okay, you could say that's not his fault. You get the players you have and you... But I, I think that one thing that the AV struggles with is um, adapting to his roster. I also think that he's not a good player evaluator. Um, yeah, I, I think yeah, I agree with that definitely. I, I think that he will he'll put Dan Girardi out there for thirty minutes in a role that he shouldn't be in because he has some kind of whatever it is. You know, right. whether he just likes Dan Girardi as a leader on the team and a good guy and a good presence or whatever it is. Tanner Glass, you know. Um, that's such an easy example. Like he last year, even when when they sent him down, you know that that was a management decision. Right. That was not an AV decision. And as soon as they could get him back up, he was right back in the lineup, no. and he still got his fifty whatever games. No. Um, so I think that he's got these blind spots for players, and he puts them in roles where they're not going to succeed, and he doesn't adapt to his roster. So you know, I I look at it from a coaching perspective because I've coached, and I had to learn that because I when I first started coaching, I was kind of like disciplinary and like we're gonna do things this way right I, thought, I, I know i know best so i know best and, and i was an assistant coach so i wanted to reflect what the head coach was doing so i said we, look guys we're doing this system but you know i learned from the guy that i was coaching with that it's really not about that it's about taking some structure that you have and you know you know kind of putting it onto the team, but then adapting it for specific roles and specific abilities that you see from the, the things you have. So if you're not going to actually, you know, if you're going to treat your team like they're all hammers when it's a hammer and a wrench, and a, then you're just being stupid. Right. Um, so and, it's, I mean, and it, that goes back to something that I complimented him for, which was kind of the team's downfall this year, was that he kind of let his top offensive players play the way they play to their strengths best, uh, but it just didn't, fit as a cohesive structure because I mean especially to not bring back to the Rangers defensive core but they mm. couldn't support his system and no. you know maybe there were some players you know why wasn't Keith Yandel getting more minutes because he would have fit AV's support structure system a lot better than a lot of other players would Dan Girardi Mark Stahl right I mean even Kevin Klein to an extent yeah team, but NHL teams they you know generally speaking it's a good thing to impose your will on another team and play your system and do your thing but I think that that can easily be mistaken for just being hard-headed in the way you do things and not adapting to the roster you have. It's not really about flexing and adapting to what the league does. If you think that you have a roster that can do a certain thing really well, mm-hmm. you know, like the, the Penguins thought, we have a speed roster, and if we you know, make a couple moves and shake the lines up a little bit and take this coach out and put this one in, we can do what we want to do right um so that's what they did they they structured their team around that philosophy the rangers haven't structured their team around you know av's kind of stretch the ice philosophy in fact they've done probably the, the opposite. opposite yeah certainly and av certainly hasn't adapted to that scenario right. um which is bizarre right and i don't know 
if that's a it's hard to say without being there like is that an AV failure right. entirely is it a it feels like the last two years that AV and especially towards the end of Sather's tenure that they weren't on the same page right. if you I, I wrote a story about it last year if you go back to the press conference that Glenn Sather gave after they traded for Keith Yandel he says everything right Keith Yandel is the type of missing piece that this team specifically needs. He can move the puck, he, he plays fast. The perfect yeah. fit for Elaine Vigneault's system. And it just feels like that AV didn't get the memo, maybe. Yeah. You know, like it just, yeah. management went out and acquired the perfect player for him. He just didn't realize they did it. Almost as if AV tuned it out and wasn't listening to everything we were listening. I was sitting there and I said, you know, everything Glenn Sather says is right. It's a high price to give up. But if you extend Keith Yandel, mm-hmm. it's a good trade. You know, it extends this team's window. He's the perfect missing piece. And it just seems like that the coaching staff never got the memo. Yeah. It's weird to me. Like, I, I, I might be sort of a bit biased based on his time in Vancouver and the success he had with the Canucks, and I was watching that up close and personal. But, like, even though AV is your prototypical hockey guy, and, like, he played in the league, and, you know, he's been coaching for 20 something years all throughout mm-hmm. the system, like, he's a hockey guy, but he always seemed, from what I've heard, like, open to more progressive stuff, right? Like, with Mike Gillis, they were sort of the first guys to start, like, actually, like, sheltering guys like Cody Hodgson and giving them extreme offensive zone starts and doing things right. like that. And all this stuff that definitely doesn't make you think he's sort of a Randy Carlisle type where, like, he's like, I have to have Dan Girardi playing this many minutes because, you know, he's reliable and does all this stuff. Right. Like, But at the same time, he it's kind of hard to defend that after a certain point because he keeps going back to that same well, even though I feel like he's smart enough to realize that he shouldn't be doing that he just like it's like it's yeah, like it's, it's kryptonite he just can't my perception on av has changed a ton in the last two same, seasons same here and like especially like when i first saw that the rangers hired him and got rid of john tortorella i was I said, super this excited. is the best this is the best move the rangers have made in two decades yeah. and after the first season i thought well this was the right hire for yeah. the right team it was a little bit of an older team especially with some of the guys outgoing and, and some of the defensemen getting older but right. I, I thought this was the perfect hire at the right time he just and i again you know i don't have much of a stake in this but he almost keeps letting me down in terms of somebody that really <laughs> thought that this was an amazing hire and i just keep saying you know is is this really elaine you know like, it doesn't it doesn't seem to kind of add up well, is this and, the and guy then, that they went out and acquired but but then you go back to vancouver and it's all the same stuff now that they were yeah. writing about in vancouver when uh, i know you, know, you and, let go of him in vancouver that they're writing about now in the the sound bites i mean i don't know if they've changed or maybe we just never noticed but like, A.V. soundbites over the past year, year and a half, like, he's basically kind of disavowed stats. Like, he'll say, like, oh, we look at the numbers, but then he doesn't know the numbers. Right. So, like, I don't know. It's just, he's done, like, a like a heel turn. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think, I think part of it is that the, and I, I won't speak to Jeff Gordon's, you know, tenure now as the GM, but before that, they, and maybe the moves didn't sync up with it and do now, but they didn't look at any of the advanced stats that were that people are looking at yeah, typically right. online and then stuff that you know we're certainly using in the media and more heard, and more yeah. now and that's just everything i've heard from you know people that are in the know that they weren't at least two years ago not putting a big stop right. in it not looking into that and maybe that's changed this offseason because it seems like they've really zeroed in on certain types of players, at least with their forward core. Right. In terms of guys that suppress shots a lot better that are really going to bolster their bottom six and bolster their penalty kill, which, again, those were areas I, that the team wasn't great with last year. And, and 
that's one thing, but if you're going to kind of let everything else go to the wayside, it's not going to make. I mean, it, a, a not huge to, yeah. I mean, not so so that we're not all doom and gloom here. I love the forwards they picked up for the yeah, bottom six. I, I thought it was I hope a they great... play them. I I hope that they don't. Mm-hmm. You know, right. And I mean, the this has been a Jad Brassard trade was I think was. I pretty universally was, yeah, agreed upon as a win for the Rangers. That's a win, yeah. yeah. Got younger, yeah. pretty much similar Broussard players. Broussard will probably maybe never hit 20 goals again. Last year was an aberration. Yeah. And I, you know, yeah. I, I know some writers think that he could score 30, but when you're 30 years old and you've only scored 21... And he's a power play guy, yeah. so you know, you're, you're going to get your points on the power play, and that's all well and good, but I'd rather take the 23-year-old right. who... You know, score twenty goals at even even right, and right. I think I think like when old media guys also say like, oh, this guy could score thirty goals, they don't really actually realize how hard it is to score thirty goals. It's, really, really it's, like, it's like legitimately like thirty or thirty five guys still, actually score thirty goals. They're it's still like, thinking that sixty five points is yeah. like you, you know what defines a a, a good player, right. Not, right? But really, that's a great yeah. player. In yeah, the if league, you're getting in you the sixties, you're yeah, you're, you're probably I, like leading your team. I, that's, <laughs> I got nailed on Twitter because I because I I was saying that I think Kevin Hayes could be a sixty point guy. And, and and people rightfully so. I actually liked it. People jumped on me and said, "Dude, sixty points is yeah. a lot of points." Yeah, like, that's when you, when you break it production. down too, you're like twenty goals and forty assists. Like for a guy like Kevin Hayes, maybe is like what you see. Yeah, as his especially when you're not playing like you know like, nineteen twenty minutes a night. If you're like playing like sixteen seventeen, like that's yeah, that's very productive. And people jump on Chris Kreider, and he's a first line player. The numbers tell yeah. me he's a first line scoring talent. Right. And you know, people say, "Well, he's a he's a good second liner, I guess." And you're like, the guy scores twenty goals every year yeah. and gives you a positive impact at both ends of the ice. Yeah, he's really physically gifted, and, and you like really physically gifted guys to maybe score thirty goals and, and put up. But 60 he's not. Or 70 he's not points. that. Guy. But he's not that type of guy. He doesn't have a great shot. He's not very offensive, uh, offensively creative. I'm not sure he fully knows what to do when he doesn't have the puck on his stick, or he what he knows what no to idea. do when he does have the puck on his stick. But no, he knows exactly what to know, do with the puck on shoot his stick, the puck which three is three feet wide, be, beeline directly at yeah. the goalie and oh, yeah. shoot it over him. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but he's so physically gifted that like just his ability to just bear down on guys and make it really hard for guys to get the puck out and win puck battles just by being yeah. you know such a physical presence he's does He's a clear top help. 6 player. He's probably a, he could be a first liner on a lot of teams. He, right. You know, and and he'll probably never be a a 60 point guy. Right. And ever. now you're you're paying him like a second liner and, through the rest of his prime season. And that's so what like, that that's, was a great that's extension. A, yeah, that's a good extension. That's what you should be doing, yeah. I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, just kind of spinning it forward, like, when you look at this team, I, I still think that with Lundqvist, it's like, I was talking about this in the last podcast, I was in Montreal, and I was yeah. talking to Andrew Berkshire, and we were talking about, like, there's so many head-scratching things going on with that organization, but Carey Price is so good that it's like, it might not even matter, really. Like, it, it could mask so many of those flaws where he's going to steal them so many wins yep. that they could still make the playoffs, and everyone's going to be like, whoa, whoa. Right, you know. they're a worse team than they were last year, I think, right, right now, and they could finish with more points very easily, mm-hmm. yeah. and it wouldn't I mean, surprise me like, at all. like, if you're getting, like, 65 starts out of Lundqvist, it, like, yeah. you know, they're... A high it, number of them will be very, very it, high quality games. And, and Rant is a really solid backup. Yeah, you know, um, I mean, look, you know, at some point, yeah, he's going to decline. Last year was not the year. People think last year was the year he started to, to decline, and they thought the 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 that the one series in the postseason was indicative of that. They're flat out wrong. Right. The fact that he didn't get a Vezina vote is effing bonkers. Yeah. 
um, because he kept the team afloat for huge portions of the season. He has one dip in November like he does every right. single year. And th- I mean, is that a as big of an indictment on general managers as almost anything in terms of talent oh evaluation in the league? You know, you, you always say, well, the general manager should be the smartest guy in the room. And the fact that they just don't right. recognize the talent that Henrik Lundqvist has every single year is just He, he was just baffling. as good as he's, he's, he was just as good as he always is. If next year is the year that he starts to quote unquote decline, let's say that his you know his usual ten to fifteen game swoon in November, and by swoon I mean like he's an average NHL goalie for yeah. a span of time with some bad ones thrown in. Right. But if if that swoon becomes twenty games, okay, then the, then if the season is if if they lose the season, like just things start to crumble around him, the defense and everything else. If he gets the blame, everybody is at, they're just out of their gourd, yeah. in my opinion. Because, yeah, he is going to start declining at some point. Right. But you're still going to be getting, as that decline is, he's not going to go off a cliff. Because he hasn't experienced a knee injury or a hip injury or right. groin or something that's going to, you know. So, so barring some kind of catastrophic injury... The decline is going to be gradual. It's going to be like a Luongo decline, where which yeah, who's still one of the best. Luongo's still one of the best in the league. He he's you know these guys are physical freaks that can do it year after year. They are complete aberrations as far as goaltenders go. The the Luongos and the the Lundqvist, and that might be it. Those are like the two. You know, look, Carey Price knee injury. So who knows? His decline might start. This coming season, right? You know, I have no idea what to expect. I think Montreal fans would be crazy not to expect that um, some some effects of it because he's a big guy right. with a knee injury. It's just that's the kiss of death for goalies. But like Lundqvist, on, uh, in a decline mode, is not going to be the reason why this team. It shouldn't be the reason why this team struggles. If that's what you're saying, if you're saying that's what's wrong with the team midway through the season, you're wrong. Yep. It's all the other stuff. That, and I know. think that uh, a Lundqvist dip in production, as as small as a dip could be, will probably be what costs Elaine Vigneault his job sure. two months well, Especially if, yeah, if it happens early on if and they start off really well. In, in yeah. November, if he's dipping in there, you know, it's, and it's usually four games out of a playoff spot, yeah. I think that'll probably be... Where the whole team decides to go in a different direction. Hank makes a habit of starting off first eight to ten games. He's solid, solid, solid. He'll toss in a couple shutouts. So just be solid. And then all of a sudden he'll just like have a couple bad ones, like four bad ones. And then the backup Talbot or now Ranta, they'll play three out of the next four. And people will go, "What's wrong with Hank?" Yeah. No, nothing's wrong with him. He just, this is what he does. And then proud to have never written yeah. one of those columns. And then he'll come back in December, and he'll be fine. And then they'll get through the, the Christmas break, and then January, February, March, he's right. insanely great. Yeah. Um, transcendent. And that's that's what his seasons are most yeah, of the time. Yeah, I mean, that year they went to the Cup, his second half was as good as I've ever seen right. from a goalie. Right. And um, his second half into the playoffs, I mean, he was just, in last, I've never seen a more focused, more... Like perfect goaltending performance than that. In last season, he was like that up until like the last seven games of the season, mm-hmm. six seven games of the season. He had like a couple, like four out of seven were just just bad, you yeah. know. And so everybody's like, uh oh, yeah. uh, you know. Look, it happens, and they. It's not like the team was performing great in front of them. They were they weren't performing well, right? right. So. 
And I think that people like that, people that would blame Lundquist are the type of people that you just can't even, you can't even engage with or argue with because... Because they're not coming from a rational place yeah, themselves. They've, they've yeah, decided, no, they're bad people. They've they're decided, bad people. <laughs> they're, they're the worst people. <laughs> they yeah, they're the worst. We should launch them into the sun. <laughs> yes. um, all right, guys. Uh, we've done 40 minutes here. I think it's time to kind of wrap it up. Um, wow. Uh, Nick, are you uh, are you going to be presenting at the uh, at the Rochester? I am. I'm going to be. Uh, yeah, I'll be at the. Okay, plug Rock- it. Let's. Uh, let's yeah. So, so the RIT Hockey Analytics Conference is the weekend of September 9th, tenth, eleventh. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I should know that. Uh, and um, I'll be there, but I don't yeah. know when it is. But. I'll be there. I'll be one of the presenters along with a whole slew of other. Um, you know, folks with um, people who have never written bad stuff about Henrik Lundqvist. Like that's that. right. The people that good are people. always yeah, good, good people. Yeah, the good, the good. Yeah, ones. good folks with good morals that mm-hmm. love Henrik Lundqvist. So I'll, I'll I'll be doing a presentation on goalies. I'm going through this like uh, Micah Blake McCurdy has got me going through this like personal. Uh, I don't even know what to call it. It, it, it continuous and discrete data. He's just made me lose my mind. Mm-hmm. In Binning, he. he Micah's like, he's uh, he's so math smart that when he questions something, then you start to question it, and then you just unravel. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I'm going through yeah. right now, where I'm like, everything I'm doing is just flat out wrong, and I need to change every all of it. And he's like, no, Nick, don't do that. Don't okay. do that for me. And I'm like, no, I need to do it now. I need to change it all. Yeah. Dude, that's what I, so, if I could very quickly close with this, that's what I love about you numbers guys is that like every <laughs> six months, I'm like, wait, everything I thought was wrong? Yeah. <laughs> what have I been looking at? Yeah, yeah. And then it's so stressful because like, I, you know, I don't, I'm not developing any sort of formulas or anything myself. <laughs> I'm just reading all of your conclusions right. and being like, that's so smart. And then like, wait, was that so so you know <laughs> you guys yeah. just have me constantly questioning everything which i love and like you know i uh, love to constantly be challenged right yeah what I, I, and mike thought. is mike is like well i want to start focusing on goalies so we've been chatting about all this different stuff and i'm like man i'm just a lawyer i'm just a <laughs> just a simple lawyer yeah. with a little bit of math knowledge well, and, and, a, and a hockey graphs writer well <laughs> quote unquote, air quotes hockey grass right yes. so so yeah so i'll, I'll be at uh rit hockey conference there's gonna be a lot of smart people like micah um are you gonna be there i'm, I'm gonna try to be there awesome yes. are you gonna be there i'm not gonna be there bummer i have an engagement party that weekend my own engagement party Ooh, oh, well, that's, that's a pretty good yeah reason. that's a good reason Fair not enough. to be there that's but funny. i will be on twitter can just following along. I'll, yes. be, I'll be following well, where can, along. Where can people tweet at you? People can tweet at me or uh, send me money via Venmo at Patrick Kearns. Patrick Kearns. There <laughs> we go. It. Send me all your money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, Nick, where can people find you? Uh, N-Mercad, N-M-E-R-C-A-D, like the stat. Cool. Well, the guys, thanks for taking the time. Uh, and we're signing out from, uh, from lovely Queens, New York. Thanks for having me. The Hockey PDO Cast with Dmitry Filipovich. Follow on Twitter at Dim Filipovich and on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash hockey PDO cast. <laughs>